Uh, and we're recording. Check, check. Yep, sounds great to me. All right. So, here we are. First one. We're going to give it a shot. Um, just kind of try and keep it as conversational. We can cut as much of this stuff out as we want. It's the Curtis and Alex show. Dun, dun, dun. So, we have to have um, taglines and an opening and all kinds <laughs> of stuff that are yet to come. Um, but today, uh, we're just planning on talking about, if we have time to get up to all three constructs, um, touching on three different constructs that we have been thinking about for a little while, and um, how they impact the way that we interact with reality. Um, and those three constructs today are coach, teacher, and mentor. Um, what they are, um, who we see as those things, how those things have impacted us, um, and uh, basically, my vision of this is that um, through the contribution of people who feel like interacting with these words, um, not just the conversation you and I are having, but also if we make this available to others and they say, well, here's my interpretation of what coach is, and then they're able to contribute something to us, I think that that's even more valuable. I mean, that adds a ton of value For to sure to you and me doing this to us. Um, so, um, that's what I'm hoping for. And, um, but I really just want to hear, I want us to be able to guide these conversations together to really hear each other. If there's something that we, um, want to go more in depth on, just make sure we do that. And, uh, yeah. Um, so I have this laid out in a format already that we, that I sent over to you. It's just, we're going to start with coach then teacher, and then mentor. Um, and I'm excited about starting with coach for two reasons. Um, one is, in my mind, you do occupy the space or the form of coach. And so um, it's easy for me to ask you questions mm -hmm. about that because I've already put some of those definitions onto you. Yeah. And then I can get your feedback on how you feel you manifest those qualities. Or if you disagree with me, that you don't manifest, you know, which I'm, 100% willing to accept. Um, and then I was also able to get from a couple of our friends uh, relatively long descriptions of how you fit the form coach in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that I'd like to start there. Um, but before we go into how others describe you as coach, I'd really be interested to hear you describe yourself as a coach and describe the form coach itself when you think about that word. Uh, for me, I think a coach, um, I kind of like the difference between a coach and a teacher, I guess. For me, a coach is someone who is showing and doing from experience and telling you the goods and bads along with it, where a teacher is teaching you just the history of what is happening, not necessarily their experiences with it. Right. To whereas I could teach you the history of in relation to the gym, uh, block periodization or a conjugate system, where it came from. I can teach you that. A coach is going to take you through how they have used it and what they did wrong and how they fixed it, what went right. So that's kind of how I view the difference between a coach and a teacher. I think I fit both of those categories because I do both. But I would probably say I'm more in line with a coach than a teacher, especially when it comes to uh, like jujitsu and stuff. Because how I do it 
isn't necessarily the only way to do it. And I think that's what a coach should do. It's like, hey, this is how I believe is the best way for you to learn. This is why. I've done it this way. This happened wrong. Or maybe I did it this other way, and I think this is an improvement from that. Whereas a teacher is just going to show you a path, not multiple paths. Hmm. Interesting. So I uh, guess that's actually probably very different because a teacher can show you multiple paths, but they're going to primarily focus on one at a time. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So do you think that there's any differences between the objectives of a coach and the objectives of a teacher? I think that would depend on what they're teaching or what they're coaching. You know, um, take a life coach. A life coach's objective is to help you fulfill your life, um, to have more fulfillment in your life into certain regards, right? Well, a teacher is going to tell you how essentially it's done under one manner. Right? If I want to be successful as a writer, a writing teacher is going to teach you how to do that, where a writing coach is going to show you very different aspects of how they wrote and what was good about it where I think the writing teacher is going to give you the guidelines you need and like they're going to tell you the principles and the philosophy behind what you're doing. And that coach is going to be very different on how they explain things. Same thing with uh, the gym, because that's what we're talking about, right? I can teach you how to do a deadlift. That's very simple. Keep your back flat, push your hips back, keep your shins vertical. I just taught you how to do it. Coaching you on it is very different. Coaching you on the performance of it's very different. How to use them for speed is different. I'm going to, you know, like just the all the aspects of the variations of deadlift are different. I can teach you them, but I'm going to coach you how to use them in different scenarios and for what. Okay. Interesting. Um, who are some people that when you think of coaching, those are who you think of? Who's inspired you or who's coached you in coaching itself? Oh, God, everyone. I mean, I think everyone teaches me or coaches me how to be a better coach because everyone's different, right? Uh, going back to the teacher piece, um, you know, if you're teaching a student in school, they all don't learn the same. And you see that. There's a flaw in the system, right? I'm teaching a one-size-fits-all type of thing. That's very different from a coach. Uh, people who I view as a coach who have been very beneficial for me in regards to fitness, Jason Gussick from Westside Tactical, um, he's been a huge influence on me. Bo Ryan out at V23, I think he is probably one of the best coaches there are because he he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells you what went wrong, what went right, what needs to be improved, how it can be improved, how he has done it wrong, how he's done what he did to fix that. And he's, second thing with him is he's very good with his words. He's very articulate and he knows, he's very good at communication. Um, he doesn't rely on emoticons. So uh, those are two people that have recently had a very big influence on me. And throughout, I guess, my journey in life, I've had multiple coaches and teachers in different aspects. Uh, I had a teacher who taught me jujitsu. They didn't coach me in jujitsu, they taught me moves. They taught me a move, um, and I don't take that same approach with my students. I like to coach them on positions. I coach them through things, not just a, it's not just a heel hook. 
I'm not just doing a knee bar. I'm going to coach you on a leg entanglement and how do you use those pieces from multiple avenues of attack compared to teaching you one move. And I think that's a big difference in my life on the people who influenced me in that regards to jiu-jitsu. I had a teacher for eight years. I didn't have a coach. He taught me moves. I was my own coach because I learned how to entangle them or use them together and link them to do different things on my own. And now I'm in a position where I have to explain that to people and it doesn't work right because mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't coached on it. I was taught it. Now I'm trying to coach people on it. I'm trying to figure out my own philosophy on how I can use my style of jujitsu, which is good for some and not good for others. And my style of coaching, which is good for some and not good for others. You know, we all learn different. Some people learn better how I teach or coach mm-hmm. other people like a more traditional route where they teach a move. And, uh, I'm not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in the, um, work that I had been doing on this so far, uh, one of the things that I had landed on was this sense that a coach, um, um, and I don't know what the receiving form of coaching is. Like you said, student, and I think we can break down. I mean, at some point, I'd like to have that conversation about, like, what is the receiving form of these forms? Mm-hmm. And uh, in that sense, help us gain a better understanding ourselves of what these things are, what we are doing while we're occupying the form of receiving, what we're doing when we're occupying the form of giving. But one of the differences that came to mind in these conversations I've been having with other people about this is that um, – in the form coach, or when someone is occupying the form coach, they are um, sharing a goal with the person with whom they're experiencing uh, that form. So someone comes to you and says, I want to learn jiu-jitsu. Your goal then becomes them learning jiu-jitsu so long as their goal is truly to learn jiu-jitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Where... I think that teacher had uh, or some of these other forms, so mentor and teacher and and uh, expert and yada yada. Some of the other things that we've been talking about, that to me seems like it draws this the hardest boundary between what a coach always is doing and what a teacher or a mentor is only sometimes doing. It's not a discriminating quality if they have it. It's also not a discriminating quality if they don't. But if you don't share the same goals as your coach you're not going to accomplish what's trying to be accomplished there. I would agree with that. Um, so that's where I got to with it. Um, and one of the things that we, I mean, you had um, last week, you had mentioned a speech that was in um, a show that you were watching. Um, last Friday, we were talking about uh, it was a basketball show. Oh, Last Chance University. Last Chance University. Coach Mosley. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he was giving a speech about how, you know, he was sharing this goal with these kids. Mm-hmm. This is his life. He's pouring his life into it. And here they were. They're at the moment where he's trying to help them accomplish their goal. And their head is not even close to being in the space of accomplishing that goal. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, I can't remember what episode it is. Uh, episode four or five, something. A little context to it. Um, Mo- Coach Mosley coaches a basketball team. Um, they're a junior college. They're trying to get D1 scholarships or hi, Bear. 
<laughs> or uh, uh, get drafted to the NBA, right? And these guys are really good. Most of them come from some type of troubled past, whether it be academic, um, anything from that regards, whether they got in trouble with the law or something like that. And pause it. Yeah, we'll just wait till yeah, the weekend. Because I want to hear this point, but yeah, this is all going to have to probably be. Hey, cut it out. Just one last one for good measure. <laughs> it's probably the milk guy. Yeah. So you probably saw him drive up, so he's barking. But now when they come to the door is when the real barking will start. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> well, we can hold and see. Okay. But... It's funny that your mailman drives all the way up your driveway every day. Well, they don't want to walk. I know. That would be a walk. But I w- it's it's also funny to me that your mailbox isn't at the end of your driveway. Because you don't want to walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he's done. Maybe it's just a car driving. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, we were talking about the episode. Um, yeah. So, Coach Mosley. Uh, so, anyways, in this episode, um, his team is not performing how he is telling them to, right? He's yelling them to hustle. He's like, you, um, essentially, his, they outwork everyone, right? Um, kind of just the bare bones of it. And they weren't outworking people. And he's like, I'm giving you everything I have. And he starts p- telling them these things, and they're like, no, we're going hard. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. He's like, you're not dedicated. You're not doing what you need to do to accomplish the task. You're feeling sorry for yourself. And uh, then he kind of lays it out in a way where they have, they start to realize what dedication is. He starts talking about, you know, uh, not a pity party, but just facts. Hey, these are the facts, dude. Um, telling how he's not at a his daughter's softball game right now because he's here coaching them, trying to get them scholarships so they can better their life and get away from the lifestyle that they're trying to escape from. Like, oh, now things are getting serious. You know, he's giving up time with his family for me. I'm not even doing running how he's telling me to. This guy's over here, you know, literally never having moments back with his kid that he can never have again because he's trying to help me get a scholarship. And things start kind of come into play, you know. Uh, there's a lot more emotion into it. He's yelling and he's kind of crying like, you know, I'm trying to, I want you guys to be better and this and that. You guys say that you want it. I'm over here giving you everything I have. I'm, you know, coaching or teaching at 8 a.m. You know, I'm over here after practice working out with you guys. I don't have to be here. I'm here for you guys. I'm missing my daughter's game. I'm missing my son's game because I'm dedicated to you because I made a pact with you that I will help you every way I possibly can to get your scholarship. And your part of that deal was to work as hard as you fucking can, and you're not. I am. I'm doing everything I possibly can, and you're half-assing it on the court because you're tired. And it it was a very real moment for them because they're understanding like the difference between a coach and a teacher. Mm-hmm. He is a coach. He's leading from the front in example. He's not telling them how you know the Bulls won the playoffs. No, he's telling them what they're doing right now and what he's doing and why they're not matching his effort and intensity that they're asking him to give mm-hmm. because they want to win a scholarship. They came to him for the scholarship and he's doing everything he can for them. He's already got a degree. He's got a you know coaching job. He's he could move on from that school to a bigger school if he wanted to, a higher position coaching job, but he's not. He's staying there for those kids because he believes that's what he's called to do, be a coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really cool moment because then you look back and you're like, 
am I doing what I need to do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and not just in regards to sports or anything, but everything. You know, am I putting forth the attention I need to what we have going on in the gym right now? Am I eating enough? Am mm-hmm. I sleeping enough? Am I? I'm asking Alex to do these things. Am I doing them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very it's a cool concept, and I think uh, being a coach is a lot more emotionally draining than being a teacher. Mm, interesting. Because mm. you have to give as much as you receive. You have to give more than you receive. Mm. Or at least as much, right? Well, the goal would be to have it equal, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm putting forth all my time and energy to coaching someone to do something, I would expect them to give forth the same amount of time and energy that I'm putting into them. So I think that that actually draws a really good quality around a coach is that um, you identified that dedication is um, a large component of coaching, is dedication to the goal, Mm -hmm. right? So if we talk about the program that we're on or the basketball example or whatever example we choose, the – the only thing that I can correlate this to right now from my experience is this sense that no one's ever going to care more about your business than you do. You, the, the top level of dedication to whatever it is that you're building in a business, that top level of dedication has to come from you yourself. In that same sense, what you're saying is that when you have a coach, you now share that dedication with another and uh, there's when there's an imbalance, it's it, it's not a great unity. It's not uh, a balanced flow of coaching and receiving coaching, and that can be a I don't want to say negative, but it can be a less beneficial. It will be a negative because then uh, at some point comes resentment. Okay. Well whether subconscious or fully, like, you know, verbalized. Right. Like, if I'm putting forth this effort and you're my coach and you half-ass it, why am I working with you? Exactly. If I'm coaching you and you're half-assing it and I'm doing way more than you trying to help you get better, why am I wasting my time? Exactly. It needs to be a balanced piece. That's right. And that's Um, what... But it needs to be balanced, but in my personal opinion the coach should always be leading from the front. Right? Whether that be in time and energy or however they need to do that for whatever they're coaching, it needs to happen from them first because they're setting the example, right? I see. So, right. So, the coach... So, um, in a hierarchy like a high school ba- basketball team, the coach is also occupies form leader, which I think form leader shows up... Um, in the coaching that happens in the gym a lot, like you're saying, lead from the front. If I know, if I see a path to accomplish all of these goals, the only way that I can um, demonstrate to the people who turn to me as a coach is to show that when I know the right way on a path, I'm following it. Mm -hmm. And um, otherwise, how are they going to take your coaching seriously if you can't even keep yourself in line? Oh, I totally agree. But at the same time, um, the hierarchy is a little bit different. Your dedication matches theirs. And without going super specific, um, you 
that manifests, I, or I can find, you can kind of feel that flow with others around you. So you, you typically, in my experience, and this, I don't want to put this onto you, but the way that I've experienced you is you're willing to match the highest level of whatever somebody's willing to dedicate as your, uh, but you're also <laughs> going to start at their lowest level of dedication. Mm -hmm. If their lowest level of commitment to you or to their goal is, show up and move some weights around a little bit and two or three days a week, two or three days a week. And they're not sleeping or eating. They're drinking all the time or whatever. You recognize what their actual goals are, you know? And well, yeah, I mean, that's, you are your actions, right? And then at the same point, it's, it can't be unfair. Now, is there going to be a little bit of unbalance? Yes. Because as coach and student go, it should go like this. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. We should be balancing and pushing ourselves or each other to progress harder towards a goal, whatever that is. Maybe it's more sleep. Maybe it's savings and budgeting. You know, you can have a financial coach. There's a whole bunch of things there. But in regards to the gym, if we have someone that comes in and they cut, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I, I need to lose weight. I want to I wanna look like, uh, you know, a superhero. Cool. And you come to the gym two or three days a week and you go out partying every weekend. I know you don't really care. Mm-hmm. You just, it's a superficial thing for you. You say you want something, but you're not willing to work for it. I'm not going to put forth my time and energy into someone like that because I am valuable. Mm -hmm. You came for a reason. And I'm not going to lower my self-value for you. And that's something that people typically don't understand when it comes to a coach because they're like, well, I'm hiring him. He needs to help me. Well, that's a two-way street, buddy. Going down to meet somebody in a relationship is something that happens in all relationships. It's the expectation of the person that is below the effort that's being given. The expectation from that person is you're going to come meet me here. And mm -hmm. the only way that that's not, it's sort of like um, you've had roommates in the past. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've lived with roommates. So one, one way to articulate this that I think everybody might have, um, be able to just visualize right away is that any space is going to be as clean as the most tidy person. It's going to be as dirty rather that as the most tidy person allows so it to be. We had a common saying in the military, you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're on a fire team and everyone can run a five minute, you know, mile. If the slowest guy runs a seven, mm -hmm. you can't leave him behind. Mm -hmm. Like you're a team, right? Same thing with the coach. Like, yeah, like we're working at the lowest common denominator, but what's the goal? The goal is not to stay stagnant and stay at the lowest common denominator. You hired a coach because you believe they're going to help you progress higher, right? Now, that progression takes a certain level of dedication on your end to do, but that lowest common denominator should be moving forward, not back. Mm. So... um I want to get to these, but I'm I'm we're moving really smoothly on tests, so I don't want to get distracted by this. But so what? <coughs> so last week, uh, last Friday, we started talking about. Well, first of all, um, uh, every f uh, so the Friday workouts are usually high intensity workouts. Um, it's is it always IWTs? Or it's usually IWT on um, Fridays. No, Friday is always. Always a surprise. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're short, fast, hard intensity things. Sometimes they're long and draining because there's a 
there's mental stimulus that happens on both ends, right? And so we vary that. Why? Because people don't know what to expect. People are going to hate the day when they show up to a, a Friday workout and it's a you know 90-minute row for max meters. That's going to really suck. Mm -hmm. They're like, fuck, I wanted to do something fun with a team because, you know, the atmosphere of everyone pushing each other. Yeah, those things are good. But what is happening? We're staying comfortable now, right? Like, we're not here to be comfortable. We're here for growth. Mm -hmm. Growth doesn't happen in comfort. Never does. You just look at growing up, right? Growing pains. It's called that for a reason. It's uncomfortable as your body starts getting bigger. Well, essentially, we're doing the same thing to our minds, right? We want our minds to expand and to grow. Well, it's not going to happen by staying comfortable in these short little or something that's uh, repeatable, right? Because we know what to expect when the accommodation happens. So Fridays are always different. And for so um, coming back from the uh, Corona hiatus, um, I don't. I think I've been to four out of six FYFs mm -hmm. so far. <coughs> uh, the Friday workouts, and um, every time at the end. Uh, you go around and ask people how they did, what they want to improve on, um, and uh, what they did well, what went well for them, and what they want to improve on. And I just kept having this feeling that, like, not having been in the gym for a while, I don't know where my pacing is mm -hmm. and where my giving up is. And it's finding that boundaries or that balance has been difficult for me. And so fast forward to... You describing the workout that you guys were going to do last week, <laughs> which was your your intention was to find everyone's actual performance boundary. Give me 100%, right? Yeah, whether that be a mental or actual physical thing, right? Um, and this isn't anything new, but we can always do more, right? We quit because it hurts. And I'll be the first to say there are many rounds that we did last week on that workout where I could have done more. Really? I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, I, th I think I held back a little the first few seconds. I could have got that wattage a little bit higher. How, I don't know, because at that time, I my self-perceived exertion was at 10. I'm sitting here getting ready to do that same workout again tonight, and I'm like, how am I going to beat it? Not can I beat it, how am I going to beat it? Because there's a difference there, right? Mm -hmm. One's already setting up the context of what's going to happen to it. Not how. How am I going to beat it? Like, I'm going to do it. I just mm -hmm. have to figure out how. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a little different. I mean, Especially because we smoked our legs every day. <laughs> this every week. day. Uh, we also did that last week, right? We did the 10 by 10 back squat before that. Mm -hmm. I knew that going into it. What's th what was the whole point of the E26 Roshak test? There's a mental test, right? How hard are you willing to work? We kind of talked about this earlier uh, before we started recording that I asked you to give your all-out effort. Not what your body's physically capable of at its peak performance and your you know, your most prime time. I'm asking you to give your effort for the day. Mm -hmm. That's nothing everyone can give their max effort for the day. That doesn't matter. It, your maximal effort is going to look very day-to-day -day depending on stress, nutrition, uh, recovery, time of day you're working out, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I care about the effort that's given. And that's what we saw last week, you know. Um, we had bikes turn off during the middle of it. It didn't matter. Now that's going to matter this week because people are going to be able to see the screens. Mm -hmm. But last week, no one knew. 
that's going to play part of that psychological effect. Like, can I push even though that screen just turned off? I have no idea if I'm going to hit 34 calories. I'm going to sure as fuck try. That's a good point. You know, like, those things add up. And all those little things, you know, add to big changes on a psychological side, which carries over to all other parts of our lives. If you're stronger psychological or you're stronger in a psychological field, you're going to be a better person. You know, work stress isn't going to take you out. Being stuck at home during a pandemic, you're going to have more mental fortitude. You're going to figure out ways to do things because you know you can. Those are just the little lessons we've been doing on the Friday stuff. You know, what effort really is. Mm-hmm. What we perceive as hard isn't hard. What's hard for you may not be hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know? We perceive it that way. And our own self is limiting that. Trying to reinforce and consistently reteach those lessons because we can do more. It's something I have to learn to do more. Mm-hmm. You know? Do I want to get up there tonight and be the first person on the bike? No. Are you going to? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to at all. I didn't want to last week. Right. But uh, you were talking with Bobby about being on the bikes. Do you remember what he said about me being on the bike first? Yeah, I do. He said, You got in front of the group and you said, Today we're doing max effort on the bikes. And everyone was like, okay. And then you got up and you did it. And everyone was like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> that's what he meant. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right? And uh, again, um, that goes back to teaching and coaching. Mm-hmm. A teacher would say that. Or this is even better, leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what a leader does. They lead from the front. Coaches do that. They show you, what, hey, you can do this. It's possible. Now how they do that in different, many different ways, right? In uh, regards to FYF, I was participating with it. So I'm going to show you what I want. I can't ask you for it unless you see it and you know what I'm asking for. The same thing with any regards to coaching. Now you're going to know what I want. I'm not just going to tell you what I want. You're mm-hmm. going to know exactly what the deal is here. In case there were any questions, let me show you. Yes. And it did. And like Bobby said, he was like, fuck, you set the tone. He's like, because I definitely would not have gone that hard because I didn't think that's what that was. Mm-hmm. His, His observation of what max effort was was different before he saw me do it and he's like fuck i have to do this seven times this is not going to be fun yeah yeah um and so the the name rorschach it's again if you're just looking at ink spots all you have now are numbers on a board all you have are uh, the idea of the exercise but everybody who was there friday including you when they look at that, they see something. And the only thing that they can see is something about themselves. Yeah. S- so what have you seen so far? Or what have you seen not only about yourself, but what you're, um, because it is your gym. Mm-hmm. And so that makes this your responsibility. What are you seeing about yourself and what others are experiencing from what you're doing there? A uh, couple things on that, right? Uh, we kind of hit on this at the end of FYF last week. People ask, because I, I didn't ask people what went well, and I didn't ask people what they want to improve on. I asked them what they learned, right? Because that le- it was all about a learning experience. For me, we learned a couple different things. One, our conditioning is not where it needs to be. Now, we are in the middle of a mass gain. You know, self-excuses want to come up already. When mm-hmm. I say that, people are like, well, I'm up 20 pounds. Like, uh, my aerobic's not going to be there. Well, no. I'm up 20 pounds, but I haven't been focusing on my aerobic conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. My aerobic conditioning is not what it was because I haven't been doing it. 
could I be doing a lot of bike sprints and other things, especially on recovery days or even just, you know, 500 meter intervals at the end of a max effort session? Right? I can. I haven't been. So that's a that's an open position. Like I don't I have to tell people that to be honest with them. Like, yeah, that problem's gonna be addressed. The second thing is I'm scared. I don't want to do it tonight. Like I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. I don't want to get on that fucking bike and try to beat those calories because I know it's gonna hurt. I, I know how bad it's gonna feel, and I know the effort it's gonna take to try to beat those numbers. And I don't want to do that. And there's something wrong with that. I don't want to do something hard because it's uncomfortable and that's not right. Mm. So that's an interesting lesson because I'm supposed to be the leader in the gym, right? Well, yeah, but I'm, I also still deal with the same psychological things that you deal with when it comes to hard efforts, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's a habit. It's a choice. I'm choosing to do something that's hard because I don't want to do it because I know the benefits of doing something uncomfortable, especially when I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, those are some very valuable lessons that were learned there because, and we call it the Rorschach test because what does the Rorschach test do? Um, it shows personality characteristics, right? Well, what are we learning about these things that we're doing that are hard? It's a personality characteristic. Are you going to quit before that 30 seconds is up because you have five seconds left and you can start backing down? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to hold that pace and try to increase that wattage those last three seconds because you know that's what's being asked of you? No one else is going to know the difference. Mm-hmm. Literally no one in that gym will. Right. Except you. Mm-hmm. And that's the lesson, right? That's, that's the whole point of us doing this. You can cheat me all you want, but you can't cheat you. Mm-hmm. And like I told people at the start of what happens, when we take that towel off the screen, the screen will reflect the effort you give. Pure and simple. It's unbiased. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care about age, sex, religion, orientation, anything. Mm-hmm. It only cares about what you are willing to give to it. And we're going to find out if I learned those lessons tonight or not. Um, yeah, so uh, overcoming the, the mental barriers between doing hard things and um, being complacent, uh, I think is one of the lessons that all of us are asking for. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we we are, I'm certainly grateful, and we're all fortunate to live in a society where we don't have to do the same kinds of hard things that our predecessors did. Certainly not, you know, our lives are certainly not as hard as some of our parents' lives. No, so I, in the grand scheme of things, our lives are the easiest humanity has ever had it. Yeah. But no By far the easiest. So where do we do hard things? When do we do hard things? Yeah. Like, that's the bigger question. When do we do them? Because you're at a place in society where you don't have to do them anymore. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you do that? Become complacent. It's stagnant. Become complacent. Whatever what else happens? Everything just disintegrates around us, right? Relationships fail. Health fails. Why? Why? Because you're not having uncomfortable situations. Like, I say this from relationship. I'm by no means a relationship counselor or expert, but I know that in my relationships, when I don't have hard conversations, things escalate. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're uncomfortable. It's not fun to have a conversation with my wife that says, hey, I fucked up tonight. You know, I did something I shouldn't have done. I rolled someone hard on the mat. I kind of was aggressive. There was no need for me to do that because I'm better than them and I can easily 
I did that as a show of dominance because I was being an asshole and that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not easy to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting here talking bad about myself in a manner which I don't want people to do, but it's an honest manner, right? That's not a fun conversation to have, but it's one that needs to have for growth in a relationship, right? Same thing in the gym. We need to do hard things for growth. You don't come to the gym because you're comfortable and you want to stay the way you are. You come because you want to change. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Is a lot of people think that just showing up is the hard thing, is the thing. Well, yeah, it's because they, uh, you know, they say, well, just show up, you know, lo- as long as you showed up. <laughs> and I always find this, uh, it's funny, one of the guys at FYF, they had a visitor that was there. Um, it was this person's second time. And, uh, you know, the guy was like, oh, hey, is this your first time? The person was like, no, it's my second. He's like, well, at least you showed up, you know? <laughs> And it's really funny because he's like, well, you're not putting forth effort. At least you're here. I don't know what to tell you. And yeah, it's really funny. But that's what's that's what's uh, accepted now, right? I just have to show up. Mm. I just have to show up to work. I don't have to do a lot of work. I still need to get paid. <laughs> I, have mm. to, I just have to show up to the gym. I don't have to focus on my nutrition and my quality of my sleep. I just have to show up. Mm-hmm. Well, why am I not losing weight? I show up to the gym. Because you're doing a small portion of what's required. You're not doing everything that's required. And so, so do you feel like the message sank in with everybody that was there the first time? And you don't need to be specific, but did you feel, did you feel like uh, the group was getting um, what your intention was going into it? I don't think they got what my intention was going into it. I think they understood afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because when I ask people, could you have gone harder? About half the people raised their hand and said, yeah. And I asked them why. Because it's habit, right? It's habit doing things that are uncomfortable when I know I have to do more. And especially in the gym. If I tell you to go all out and you know you have to do it seven more times, you want to hold back because you know you have to do it seven more times. Because you know if you go all in on one, it's going to make the other six way worse. And again, this is that individual responsibility. I'm not going to know if you went all in. Only you do, you know. And I I say unfortunately, but it was very fortunately. At the end of FYF last week, you could see on people's faces who went all in and who didn't. And that's the truth. I mean, that comes with being more of an expert, right? Of knowing what, knowing not only the way that that looks on anyone, but also knowing what that looks like on the people that you coach all the time. Oh, that's just a personal uh, relationship with them. You know, I know what they look like when they give effort. Yeah. Because I've seen them all give 100% effort. I've seen them all dig past what they think is their limitation and and realize they're capable of more. And I I know what that looks like. You know, it's going to happen. Now, do they do it every round? I didn't do it every round. It's hard. It's really hard to do that every round because you're like, fuck, I'm feeling bad for myself. My legs hurt. My heart rate's still jacked. I don't want to do this. Oh, my God. Like, it sucked. My last round, I was literally saying out loud, you will not quit. You will not quit. You will not quit. You will not. You will pick up the watts. I don't know if Nicole heard me or not, but I'm sitting there talking to myself because I wanted to slow down so fucking bad. I wanted to move down. It's like, no, you are going to do this. You are going to do hard things. You are going to do hard things. So the um, where I have gotten to with this, having been, um, I guess, a little jealous that you guys were doing this last weekend and then leading to this conversation and everything, 
um, I've had a little bit more time to meditate on this idea. And where I've gotten to is that 100% effort means that's everything you could have done, right? Everything you could have done. If you do everything you could have done, uh, I think you're right. My, It's almost like, what does that lead? What do I have left then? If I did everything that I could have done. Yeah. And that's why we had everyone write their numbers on the board, right? We had people to increase their round, their calories on the second round. How? Yeah. You shouldn't have anything left. You, you shouldn't gave have anything left. Like right. it should, it should drop dramatically on that second round. But I don't want to say dramatically, depending on your conditioning and your ability to recover, you know, that's all going to play into it. But I would ex- not expect to see the same calories or even near it if you gave a hundred percent effort, because your body's just going to be taxed. It's not going to be able to do that again. Mm-hmm. Right? How people were increasing the second or third round is, well, it's it's not baffling to me because I know what happened. They right. didn't go in. Mm-hmm. They saw everyone. They went what they thought was hard because they were like, okay, I have more. You know, whether they um, willingly chose that or s- subconsciously did that, they made a choice. And then they saw other people making a different choice, and this made them feel bad. Because they saw that everyone else was actually doing what was asked, and they knew they were holding back, and they felt bad about it. So then they went deeper. So then they went deeper. Oh, but they had already set the tone. But they already set the tone, right? And and that's that's still a really good lesson for them. They didn't fail the workout or anything. They learned something very valuable. Mm -hmm. That person learned that either they're lazy that they're doing the minimum to get by with everyone else trying to stay in that gray zone or that they're capable of more. They learned something like that. I feel like all three of those lessons just teach them that they're capable of more. Maybe. Well, wouldn't it? Because if they're saying, I'm lazy, I'm capable of more. If I wasn't lazy, I'd be able to accomplish this every round. Instead, I was lazy the first round. Maybe. But it could also become, that's where they come in. Well, that's all I had the first round because then that's when the excuses come in, right? Oh, I, that's all I had that first round. I just I was just able to recover better that second round. Mm-hmm. They start justifying what happened, right? Oh, yeah. right. So there's a subconscious block between, um, you know, the f- uh, your conscious mind taking responsibility yeah. and saying, "I made this happen. I made this happen this way because of." And then the things that you're describing, but for some, there's always, we're so habituated into making excuses that default mode is excuse away the first one and try not to let it happen again. But if it does, we'll excuse away that one too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing. Cause like, again, like that happened to me, my second round, I went as hard as I could that first one. Right. I don't know if I could have physically gone harder. Mm-hmm. At that's that good. time, I mean, that's at good. that time, right? I was like, "This sure. is everything I have mm-hmm. today." I'm in the mindset like, "I'm gonna do more. I right. can, I can physically. I know I can. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try, right? If I, I'm gonna hit more. Like that's the that's the goal." The second round, I got off like, "Man, that fucking sucked." My legs blew, and it was already a negotiation in my head. It was like, "Man, oh, I dropped by ten calories. My legs were just exploding." That was the first thing that popped in my head. Why? Because it was an excuse. I already didn't want to do it, and I had to correct that that second, that third round. And I came up that third round, and I told Nicole, "What's the over under? I puke on this round, right? On three, on three, because I understood mm. what happened on two, uh-huh. right? 
I learned a lesson on two that I could have done more. And I had, I gave myself excuses. Oh, my legs aren't recovering. I just couldn't, my, they didn't recover enough by the time I had to go again. I couldn't push more. No, that was not the, it doesn't matter if my legs could push more. Did I give more effort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Could I pushed and pulled with my back more? Yeah. Like I, I, fi- I can figure out ways to go harder. Right. I didn't have to use that excuse. And I learned that lesson and it wasn't fun. That third round really hurt and everything got really bad after that. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I gained something very valuable out of it. Right. Yeah. And that's where you're, that's where, I mean, what did four feel like? Four felt like three. Yeah. And then it just five stayed like felt one. like four. Six felt like five. Seven felt like one. Like it, everything really? hurt. Like yeah. the last one's always a little bit of sigh of mental relief, right? Yeah, right. All you got to do What is would be really fucked up is tonight after the seventh round, like, hey, guess what, guys? We got one more. Yeah. Just to fuck with people's heads. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. So here's the question, right? So was there anybody that you were concerned about getting back on the bike? If they had to do another round, y- you were looking at him like that guy is depleted. He's his th- his face is whatever your indicators that like because I guess anybody could just sit on the bike. I mean, you, if if you carry someone up and p- prop them onto the bike, they can sit there for thirty seconds. Well, here's the thing: it's only thirty seconds on the bike, right? We can all sit there and pedal for thirty seconds, right? It's a choice, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone in that gym myself included, could gone again. Yeah. We could do 20 rounds of that. Huh. You'd be duct taping people's hands to the handlebars. And would we? <laughs> I don't or know. would that be dramatics because people are just, they're so tired and they wanted people to feel sorry for them. If someone's really giving 100% for 20 rounds. That, that, that 30 seconds on there may only be five calories because that's all they're capable of. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if someone told me my wife would die if I didn't do 15 more rounds of that, yeah. I would go every fucking round as hard as I could it doesn't matter if those calories got lower and lower. I would empty the tank every fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... But there's a bottom, right? There's a bottom. Like, yeah, I, I mean, there's going to become a point of decreased performance where you're just... I can't physically do any more, right? Yeah. And we kind of saw that on, like, rounds four, five, and six. They're all right around the same calories. Like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. Well, as a... From a coaching standpoint, that tells me, yeah, your programming is flawed because now you have your conditioning is not able to do more. If you're hitting around the same numbers, like you're pretty much bottomed out here on your ability to perform and recover within this time frame. That's a, a flaw in me on the program side of it, right? Could I have done another five rounds at those 25 calories, whatever I was doing? I'm going to tell you yes. Five more rounds, you think? Could I have done 10? Yes. At 25 calories and 30 seconds? Yes. It would be a choice, right? At some point, I'm going to quit. My, uh, my mind will quit. That's a, a horrible thing for me to admit because I don't want to admit that. Yeah. But at some point, my mind is going to quit. Like I d- I've never met anyone in the gym that worked to the point where they killed themselves. Interesting. You will, and killing your, you will pass out first, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Like, the fall and hurting your head is the dangerous part of that, right? Yeah, but that's also why there's people on the sides of the bike, right? right? So so working yourself to death for guys that are in their, you know, early to mid-30s that work out every day, working yourself to death would be almost, I mean, it'd be really hard. Right? Yeah, it would be very, very difficult. So and I say that, could we have done five more rounds? Yeah. Would that have taught us anything different? Yeah. I don't think so. 
So then my question is, you know, and, and again, specifics don't necessarily feel comfortable to me, but mm-hmm. do you think the people who are talking about, you know, I couldn't even sit comfortably, I didn't sleep, I couldn't eat, and it took me two full days of rest to recover from that workout, what do you think you're going to see out of th- Because there's a few of them. I've heard both sides. They're scared. I already know they are. They I definitely was scared. are. Then fucking Saturday sucked. I was exhausted. Like, I was just beat. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I didn't. So, so do you think, so, we, and and I know where you're, I know where your head's at because I've heard you say, you've already declared what your intention is. Your intention is to beat every route. So, um, so do you have an idea of how to tell the people who are coming in scared? I know you're scared. And guess what? It is going to be like last week. It's going to be just like that. And you're going back. So let's go. That's pretty much how I was going to start tonight. <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, we know what's going to happen tonight. You know what's going to hurt. Yeah. Are you going to let that fear paralyze you? Mm-hmm. It's a choice. That's all it is now. Right? Now, there are some physiological things that could limit that, right? Our training this week was different. Uh, you know, sleep nutrition, hydration, all those things were different this week, right? Um, what should we see, though? <laughs> you should see improvement on all of We it. should see an increased performance. Why? Because everyone knew what was going to happen in a week. Mm-hmm. Talk with Chad and some of these other people. They're like, I am focusing on my how much water. I, my intent is Friday. Everything I do this week is leading to Friday. Mm-hmm. It would baffle me if that dude doesn't beat every round. Yeah. I, I'm... I am positive that Chad will beat his first round because his intention is there. Now, the rest of it may decrease dramatically because he learned that, man, I can go harder, and he did. And by all means, he may see suffer in those later rounds, but he learned the lesson and did that first one, everything he had, then tried to crawl out of the hole the rest of the time and then dig it again for 30 seconds, try to crawl back out, dig it again. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. There yeah. are some people who are going to do that, and they're they're going to be like, man, I didn't beat all my rounds. I didn't do this. I only, you know, I beat the first three and everything else after that just went downhill. It's like, good. That's what's supposed to happen. You did what was asked. Like, yeah, you didn't have all the number. Like, your fucking last four rounds were trash because you literally gave way more effort the first three and couldn't perform more. Well, I would love to see that. Something that, um, so uh, there's two things that I that I was inspired um to say while you were describing that. The first one is the difference between finishing 30 seconds at 50 watts or at at 50 calories and and finishing at 52 calories is a gigantic effort. It's huge. In 30 seconds. It's a gigantic effort. It's a gigantic effort. What does it really come down to? Probably about two seconds of watts. so, So do you think it's every pull? Does it come down to every? Because I was trying to think about this when we we did a similar. It was uh thirty on no, it was uh, was it twenty on ten off, and we did that for twenty minutes. No, we did uh six rounds of thirty thirty. No, no, no. Before that at FYF, we did something. It was twenty on and ten off. Was maybe it, it was uh, maybe Tabata style stuff? Okay, I don't, I don't remember which FYF you're talking about. Okay, so it, from what I recall, it was I think it was twenty seconds on ten off, and we did that for twenty minutes. Okay. Um. And um, I just remember looking over at your screen. Oh, it was 30 minutes of max calories for 2010s. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, right. And I just kept remembering looking over at your screen and being like, okay, he's only beating me by, you know, 0.1 this round or 0.3 this round. And then by the end of it, you were like, 
you know, 10 calories, 20 calories ahead of me. And so our, the, my count was just like, and it was because each time, each pull basically was just a little bit more effort. Yeah. And that compounded. And that's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That difference between 50 and 52 is about two seconds of wattage difference, right? That's two seconds of you holding a, say, 700 watts on a bike compared to 650. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So, so in that same respect, just beating your score on round one means you put that much more effort into yeah. it. Well, maybe. Because did you hold back on round one last time? Because we had those people. Yeah. Right? We had the people that scored highest on round three compared to round one. Yeah. Mm. Only you know the answer to that. Like, I can't tell you if you did or not. Like, are you that much fitter this week? No. Like, mm. I'm not going to be fitter in a one, you know, five training sessions going into that. There's no way I'm going to see, you know, 40 calorie improvements or whatever. Like, I'm not that much fitter. Right. But this can be. Right. right. The muscle between the ears can be fitter, right? And did I learn that lesson? Maybe. Well, if you didn't last week, you're going to learn it tonight. And if not tonight, maybe we'll do it three weeks in a row. Let's just, you know, we'll find out, right? Or, or uh, you know, what's interesting to me is I have a feeling that people are going to reflect upon this workout a lot. And uh, to the degree that it's, it, it can almost become an archetype of itself. Yeah. Right? And uh, so one of the things that I'm really curious or I'm really excited about is being able to hear from others down the road. When you think about this, what do you remember? Yeah. And apply that lesson to what's not necessarily even just in the gym. Are, did you do, When you said you were going to do that thing, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you did you show up and do it? You were there or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, so that was the first thing. The second thing that um, when you were speaking, I was inspired to throw in there, right? Because you were mentioning about how some people are focusing on it, and preparing for it. Where I found myself last night was um, almost in a thought loop that was fixated on preparing, and that was there was a diminishing return starting at like 10 o'clock last night where preparation needed to conclude for the mm-hmm. for everything leading up to that and i just needed to get rest and my mind was so hyped that i it, that's what's gonna be interesting i want to ask people tonight like at the end of it it's like who slept well last night yeah knowing that you were coming in here to do this and then the next question was why did it affect your sleep it's just hard work <laughs> Like, why are you that nervous about it? You yeah. knew for a whole week. Why was it Thursday night that it finally caught up to you? And you're like, like, oh, I'm so scared. Like, you already, you already did it. Yeah. You've literally already done it. Why are you scared of it now? Interesting. I know why I'm scared of it. Because it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hurt. I don't like being uncomfortable. But I'm choosing to be uncomfortable, right? Right. So why am I letting it affect me like that if I'm willingly choosing it? This is uh, probably one of my favorite things that's ever happened at the gym. Um, but uh, I want to get over to. Are you? Uh, do you feel complete on this, or do you? Yeah, it, no, it, this was a pretty good piece. Then uh, I'd like to read um, what. Uh, so I asked some of the people around that you've been coaching for a couple years um, to share their experience, 
with me. And my original thought was I wanted to read through it um, and prepare like points to go over afterwards. Um, and I started reading through the first one that was sent in. And I realized that if I go in with a construct of what I get out of this, then just subconsciously I'm going to navigate the conversation to talk about the things that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I shut the computer. I let these things sit. Um, and I wanted to come back to it with you. That way I'm just getting feedback and I can, because I want to respond to what you're saying, not to what they're saying. Does that yeah. make sense? Okay. So the prompt was basically, um, what is form coach and how does Curtis embody form coach for you in what you're doing? And then there was a, like a subcategory in there, which was if you use this outside of the gym, if you use that coaching outside of the gym, how has that impacted some of these other things? Yeah. So, um, I got two responses. Um, they're both, I, uh, I said, uh, two to four paragraphs. Everybody sent me just a little bit more, but that's okay. It's perfect. Um, so the first one is from CP. Um, and so uh, I'm just going to read it off and then we'll get some responses. Or yeah. We'll get your response and we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, so what is coach? That is a con complicated concept for a, se for a seemingly simple word. Most everyone knows or can describe a coach they themselves had or at least heard about. Uh, what is coach? A coach exclusive is coaching exclusively to sport or leading a team. I don't think so. I believe coach can be many things uh, and show up in many aspects of our lives, both in greater and lesser forms. Uh, they are someone who can provide knowledge regarding a topic. I don't mean that they simply are knowledgeable in a particular topic. Uh, they understand and make that knowledge transferable to the subject. Honestly, and maybe more importantly, they know how to make the knowledge relatable and specific to that moment in time. A coach not only leads their pupil, but is also one of their biggest fans, supporters. A coach is someone who recognizes the potential in someone and helps provide them with the foundation uh, so that they can accomplish and reach their potential. A coach is empowering and commanding. A coach can be expressed in many ways. Uh, I've had the privilege of watching Curtis manifest these qualities, both in his interactions with me and with others in the gym. Um, from the very first time I met Curtis and interacted with him as a coach, he never assumed what my knowledge level was. He simply started from the ground level and explained what we were going to be doing and why each and every movement was integral to the whole workout. From the warm-up to the major lifts, uh, Curtis also did not dump knowledge on me I wasn't ready for. He ensured that I had a good foundation uh, and was following along with his teachings prior to providing more. I'm not saying that he tested me I'm not saying that he tested me right off the bat, but he definitely had a recognition of how much information was too much. Curtis also seemed to recognize how much knowledge his students and athletes retain after he's taught them and what was being absorbed. Um, this is evident if you simply watch the way he interacts with different members of the gym. Uh, we have a wide array of members that, uh, and coming from a seemingly wider array of life, Curtis seamlessly adjusts his coaching style to fit the moment and the individual. Curtis's coaching uh, style is subtle, includes subtle changes depending on the person or persons that he's interacting with. Uh, his cues for lifts uh, and what to draw attention to are unique not only to that person but that particular moment in time. Curtis also seems to innately know how much knowledge is pertinent at the given moment and circumstance. 
Um, I've also spoken with Curtis about the aspects of coaching. Well, while he and I were discussing E26 yoga for strength um, and what that was going to look like for 2021, he naturally saw where I was starting from and he helped reinforce the idea of building a foundation and getting the reps in. He talked about how he envisions the gym to be a catalyst for its members to find growth both physically, uh, but also discover themselves and their passions. I see Curtis manifesting as coach in other ways, not exclusive to fitness. Uh, I recall when I was wanting to learn about photography and I began reaching out to many others who I knew were talented in that field. I even sat down with several of them to go through a crash course in photography. They provided me loads of information, knowledge about cameras, lenses, apertures, shutter speed, and the many other various settings. Um, despite all this knowledge I was being provided, I still felt very uncertain about where to begin. I had not found a solid foundation that I felt like I could launch my photography from. I expressed this to Curtis, and he simply said, get behind the camera and start snapping. That's how you're going to discover what you even want to take photos of. After that, we can discuss editing and other topics, but first find the start with the basics. Simply start taking photos. Um, I think this is a perfect example of how Curtis taps into coaching in the gym. He provides only the information and knowledge needed for the given moment. He allows those to get comfortable with their foundation before building upon them with more knowledge. Um, and then he concludes it with going back over what form coaches by saying, um, as I was alluding to initially, what is coach? Coach is beyond the actual definition of the word. Coach exists simply as the concept or form. This concept or form transcends language. It just is. It is the concept or form that all coaches tap into to begin displaying their traits and characteristics that entail all things that are coach. Again, beyond the definition of the actual word. The ability to tap into these traits is, is not universally or even um, sometimes... Okay, it is not universally even, nor is it something that will simply improve with time. There has to be an intention to improve, strengthen the connection. The connection can get stronger over time, but I don't believe that time is the catalyst. I believe that, is some that it is something more, something deeper. I believe that uh, it is intent, it is passion, um, the more passionate you are, the more intention you become, the more intentional you become about what it is, a factor that I feel Curtis is naturally channeling. So that's from somebody we both know and have had yep. a lot of conversations with. Um, he touched on a lot of points. Um, some of that we've talked about before. Some of it was very personal to the way he's seen you. Uh, it's... I'm glad you didn't share that with me beforehand because it's cool just to listen to it and have a honest reaction to it, something I can't think about. Um, some it's really nice that some people notice those little things. Like, yes, I do treat people different. One size doesn't fit all. You know, I know who people need to be. Some people like to be yelled at and like have that high aggressive motivation. Other people don't like. I'm not one of them. I don't like people to come at you and yell and slap me like, oh, you can go, you can't go, fucking go. No. I don't need you to tell me how to go hard. I need strategy. Like, how can I perform the best? I need to get my mind right. Uh, well, a lot of that, too, is just individual stuff, you know? But it's pretty cool to see that other people realize that because that means they start to get it. Ah, I'm understanding why he's doing this. I get what's what the point is. Because that's the whole point, right? To teach. I'm, I'm coaching you on like why I'm doing. We came to this for a reason. And when we talk about people in the gym, it's like we don't care about aesthetics. 
I don't care if you get a six-pack or not. I care about the quality of character. And people are seeing that. That's what we're going for. It's not just the gym. It's used as a tool for a catalyst for something else, like I said, like whatever that may be. This is a tool to help you be better in life. If your lessons are, if you learned all the lessons you're going to learn from moving iron, then it's time to find a new book to read and learn. Like he's mentioned, photography. Maybe you've learned enough here, and it's time for you to learn a new lesson here. That lesson is patience. It could be a number of things, but it's cool that uh, that those things aren't being lost and not done in in vain. It's got to feel really validating. It is. Because you don't really hear that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that's commonly said from the members. Like, hey, thanks for, you know, coaching that person different than me. Like, oh, I didn't know you noticed. Appreciate that. But that's what they do, you know, because it's a personal relationship. All your relationships with everyone else in your life are different. Why wouldn't a coach have different relationships with his people he's coaching? I also, I'm not necessarily sure that, uh, and you said you were grateful that it, that I hadn't shared this with you prior to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced you would have received it the same way. I don't think I would have. Again, like, you know, how it's presented is a very big component. How lessons are presented, pay attention. If you would have just sent me an email, I could have read it, but it's not the same as having someone read it to me and having to listen to the words. You know what I mean? And I felt the same way about if I w- if we were going to have five or six people in here describing it to you. Yeah. I don't think that that would have giving you the space to respond to it uh maybe not i mean that would have been a lot to take in you know especially from different people like hearing or trying to communicate with ethos people while they're trying to describe me you know like hey i'm glad you see this x i'm glad you see this y you know but it's i think it's probably better to do it that way <coughs> okay so we have one more so um what's the hard stop right now Probably got about fifteen minutes. Okay, that should get that should be yeah for us to do this. Okay, so I have one more. Um, it's gonna be a little harder for me to read because it's on my phone, but I do have one more that I um, got from EM, and oh, he's gonna give a lot away about what. Well, same with that one. Gave a lot away about uh, who he is and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Similarly, so. Um, as I sit in Oxford, the Connecticut township, and ponder the meaning of the word coach, I first turn to the Oxford, Oxford Dictionary. Today, the term most frequently rep- represents an athletic instructor or trainer. This definition is slang, or slang from its original meaning, which in itself was slang for the high-speed carriages known as cokes in Hungary. In 1830, students at Oxford University started using coach as a metaphor to describe the people, specifically the tutors, that carry a person through an exam or through a workload. Later in the 1800s, the term became used um, in athletics as well. S- uh, this was well agreed upon when looking at the etymology of the word coach. Today, however, while it is not recognized by the dictionaries, I believe that the definition has changed again. In addition to the athletics, uh, people describe themselves as life coaches, nutritional coaches, spiritual coaches, business coaches, financial coaches, etc., if there's an app for it, there's most likely also a coach for it. Uh, what then does that mean to be a coach? And furthermore, what does it mean to be a good coach? First and foremost, a good coach is a good listener. Just like the self-driving 
coaches Rivian will produce, uh, a good coach first needs to know what the desired destination is. Why have you sought me out? Where would you like to go? Have you been there before? How did you get there before? Are you struggling with that right now? What landmarks would you like to see along the way? Once the target destination is realized, a good coach will utilize their expertise to formulate or help formulate a plan to get there. This expertise is probably the largest selling point for most people. As time is precious, I believe that most people hope to progress as efficiently as possible. The level of expertise may also be used as a measure of likelihood of success. If a coach has been on a particular journey many times before, it's likely that they'll be able to get there again. A true metaphor, true to the metaphor, completing the journey is the most important part of being a good coach. If someone has sought out a coach, there is a good chance that they've tried getting their destination on their own prior to this. They've probably failed, likely more than once. Perhaps they haven't failed, but have gotten as far as they could go without someone helping them. This is where the engagement and motivation become key factors to this, and this is where, this is where Curtis really shines. A good coach shows through engagement that it is important to him that you make it to your destination. A good coach knows who he is helping on their journey and what they're, what is able to add appropriate motivation to fuel their journey. A good coach uses questioning along the way not only to analyze the journey, but more importantly, to force the individual to learn how to analyze the journey for themselves. A good coach points out the landmarks along the way that they themselves that that are themselves motivational and may otherwise go by unnoticed. A good coach also allows others to watch and even participate with them in the coach's journey. Once the def- destination is achieved, a good coach asks, where do we go next? And the cycle repeats itself. Replace a good coach with any of the preceding statements with Curtis, and the statement will still hold true. Curtis probably uses questioning at the beginning to learn, not determine, the desired destination. Curtis properly uses questioning to force contemplation and analysis. Curtis remains engaged and motivational along the way, allowing others to look into and participate in his own journey. Perhaps a good coach today is really best described as a type of modern field specialist, Socrates, helping Others learn instead of trying to teach, helping others examine their lives to find virtuous path to their destination. So that's Eric's, or that's one uh, interpretation of you as a coach. Yeah. That was very well written. <laughs> Took a little time on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say he regurgitated a lot of the same stuff that the other one was, but there were a lot of key characteristics there that are the same, right, that they mm-hmm. found valuable. key characteristics of a coach of the form coach yeah of the form coach or how we perceive what a coach should be yeah it was good i mean so one of the things that i grabbed out of that mm-hmm. was that basically once upon a time coach meant to carry yeah uh, and i think that is true like going back to last chance you and coach mosley he was carrying them he was showing them exactly what needed the effort needed to be done right same thing happened last friday carried you guys and showed you what the effort I wanted was. Not teaching, showing. Mm-hmm. It's the like the phrase carrying a team. Yep. It's what leaders do. Right. Do things that other people don't want to or that needs to be done. There's only one only one way for it to get done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 
so my calories aren't going to do themselves, <laughs> even though I wish they would. Um, awesome. So that's basically um, just the form coach. And um, we drew a lot of correlations to other forms, including teacher, which I'm really interested in, excited to explore further. Um, and if we were going to draw a Venn diagram of those things, um, where do they correlate? And um, my motivation for doing this series is kind of like I had laid out earlier is that I'm starting to hear, actually, I think we did this off the, off the mics, but I'm starting to recognize that there's really important words that people use a lot. Some of these words are ones that we've talked about before. Um, but I'm starting to hear people who are in our periphery, people who are in our orbit, use the phrase coach to describe what it is that they think they're contributing on their path in mm -hmm. this life. If someone's going to use that phrase, I want to understand it, and I would like for others to be able to understand it also. Oh, for sure. And I, and I feel that same way about all these other constructs that I want to explore. If you're going to sit, let's try and get to the bottom of what this means. You know, I, we were talking earlier about if somebody says community, what does that mean? If somebody says teacher, what does that mean? Do you embody community? Do you embody teacher? Do you embody coach? Are you really doing it? Or are you just painting yourself on the outside with this veneer of coach, with this veneer of community, but you don't actually seek it? And I would say definitely this is an important conversation for me yeah. because I do see you embodying coach. Yeah, coach is a very good thing. Sorry, I, you said community. I just clicked on it. Oh, I, interesting. I, I, don't, I don't like when people always associate the gym. They say the community of the gym, the community, the community. Every gym has a community. Every one of them. Yeah. What's the culture of the gym? Culture. Okay. What's the culture? Hmm. Because everywhere has a community, right? I mean, everyone has a culture, mm. too. But what's the culture of the gym? What's the culture of the group that you hang out with? Is it one of acceptance, even though of regardless of disagreement? Because typically in communities, what happens? Everyone agrees the same thing. Because they all get along. Culture is different. Okay. And so, so uh, cool. I'm glad that we have a place to start on community. Yeah. Um, and I pray that the by the end of the conversation about community, it'll be one of your favorite words. Maybe. I like the word community. I like what it entails. But I think there's limitations on it. I also think that words are overused, and then they lose their power. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that there's a lot of power in words themselves. Oh, I totally agree. And so when someone's, that's, again, what this, it's like, okay, uh, calling yourself a coach is like casting a magic spell on yourself to the universe. I'm a coach. Okay, good. Then you better be, because if you're not, then you're not helping. <laughs> so, uh, cool. Um, do you want to... Have the last, I mean, this is, you've, you're the expert, essentially, so take us out. I wouldn't say the expert. I just have a little bit more knowledge than others in regards to this. And other people have way more knowledge than me, so I'm still a student in regards. Always learning. 
and I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Good work.